0: Welcome to Journey. We're glad you're here. How are y'all doing today? They're all right, good. Keith and Rob and I, again, want to say thank you for sharing, for being vulnerable, to share what God's done in your life. Our hope is, is that's going to happen many times over in our, in our, in our church, in our community. Amen. Amen? Well, I wanted to share a couple of things before we get started, some things that are up and coming at Journey. Next Sunday, this little thing called the NFL is getting kicked off, so next Sunday is NFL Kickoff Sunday. Here at Journey, it's always a fun Sunday. Casey Wolf will be here. So bring your kids, bring neighbors. It's always a great time. There's always a little bit of fun. Maybe a tad bit of trash talking. Uh, people are in jerseys, so wear your favorite NFL gear. I know we'll see some Chiefs gear, right? I know we'll see probably a little bit of Broncos gear. Pray for uh, Ryan Yeah, <laughs> we're going to probably see a little Dallas Cowboys gear, some Green Bay Packers, but wear your favorite... Uh, team and come have fun with us next Sunday. And then actually uh, towards the end of the month, September 25th, we've got a special guest, former chaplain of the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, unbelievable speaker who came to camp with us a few years ago. His name is Adrian Dupre. So we hope you'll bring some friends, bring some family. He is an unbelievable communicator of the gospel. So you're going to want to invite people who you just want to hear. It's going to move all of us, but I hope you'll be here um, that's September 25th with Adrian. So be sure to do that. My name is Ryan. I'm the adult uh, ministries pastor here. I'm also a husband, married 23 years to my wife, Heather. Uh, and then we have four kids who have grown up here at Journey. They literally have taken some of the best spiritual steps of their life here at Journey. So I'm excited about what's happening. It's vision month. And so this month, we're sharing all about the vision of our church. Pastor Christian, of course, is continuing through Matthew 18, but through the lens of a vision of our church and what God's doing. And we each week have been quoting our mission statement. We've been doing it since the very beginning, but it's that we exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. And if you look at that mission statement, you'll see it's divided into three, three areas that we really focus on. Sometimes churches may focus on one or the other, but we focus on all three. Uh, we exist to see people far from God. In other words, we want them uh, to, to be welcome here. We want them to know that we love them and so very evangelistic. And then become passionate Christians. We are focused on discipleship. You'll hear more about that today. And then uh, to, to make a difference in the world. Like we want people to know that we're a church that's focused on the community. We want people to know that we're for them. We're not just in this community, and so we're very uh, uh, passionate about reaching out globally as well as locally. So all three of those things make up our mission statement, um, but today we're going to focus on the Become Passionate Christians. We're going to focus really closely on that. Uh, we desire this for every one of you. We really do. We want every single one of you to become uh, a passionate Christian. We desire that for you. But in January, I was in this room with my family. We were sitting right back uh, kind of in the middle section behind the cameras there. And the kids in student ministry were sharing their vision for discipleship, for reaching kids, for helping them grow with, with all the families that would come. And we really were inspired by that to see what was going to happen in the lives of our church, how we, uh, in the lives of our kids, and how we could partner. And then Pastor Christian was sitting right back here, and as he was listening, he just kind of had this thought, our whole church needs to hear this. Like our entire church needs to know the plan of discipleship for, uh, for our people and for our kids. And so we, uh, that panel was birthed that day in his heart, and he began to plan what he knew would later be a part of Vision Month. But we've added um, adult discipleship. So today you'll hear the plan for discipleship and in, in spiritual growth for those who are infants all the way through, uh, through adults. So we hope you'll really be challenged discipleship we know has a lot of different definitions if i was to ask each of you i might get a slightly different version but what we're going to focus on today is this this definition movement movement toward jesus by helping people take their next spiritual steps literally movement towards jesus by helping people take their next spiritual steps and we want to we want to help you uh, understand that the importance of that so our, our church planning coach was a guy by the name of Mac Lake, one of them that really poured into us early on. And as I was looking into this, he, I wanted to share a few quotes of his that he kind of helped set up what discipleship isn't, but also what it is. And he said, discipleship isn't simply about educating a believer. It's about encountering Jesus in a way that changes us Profoundly. You, you heard that on the stage with the, with the farmers today. Discipleship isn't about learning to work for Jesus. It's about learning to worship Jesus so that you can walk from the daily overflow of Jesus in you. Discipleship isn't about conforming to church lifestyle. It's about courageous living in a world that may end up rejecting you. Uh, discipleship isn't uh, just about learning to live like Jesus. It's about learning to lead like Jesus and reproduce other disciples. Super important. And discipleship doesn't just, uh, doesn't just teach me how to live. It shows me how to die to myself every day. Such an important part, but uh, Mac Lake has been a real influence. But that, that, that allows, hopefully, you to understand what we want to share with you today. Uh, it's important to our church, and so what we have today is a panel of, of people at our church who are very involved in uh, leading discipleship efforts so, uh, starting on the far right, we've got Pastor Mike. He's our discipleship pastor here, uh, pours into adults and helps them grow in their faith. And then Heidi Bailey, who is our kids director, helping uh, kids uh, know how to walk with Jesus really clearly. And then Becca Alvord. I'm saying that right. I always, Alvord. Alvord. I always feel Oops. like I'm Nobody saying knows it how to wrong. Say it. It's okay. uh, so, she's our student director, pouring into teenagers at, at our church. And then. This guy. (laughs) This is Christian Grassi, our church planning resident who we love and going to plan the church in the next uh, 18 months to two years. But this is the panel that you see today. So I'm going to ask them just a few questions. And the first one, I'm going to start with you, Pastor Mike. Uh, The question for really the whole panel is, when you think about your heart and your life for discipleship, what verse moves you personally and what does it say about discipleship?
1: Such a good question. Um, Ryan, my, uh, my heart for discipleship and spiritual growth really started when I, um, when I became a Christian, uh, August the 9th, 1980. And yes, Gracia, I know you were... Not a, what would you say, a gleam in your father's
2: eye? I wasn't a twinkle in my daddy's eye. Twinkle in your say. daddy's yeah.
1: eye. I know you weren't, um, but that's okay. Over 40 years ago, and kind of from the beginning of my journey with Jesus, I've just kind of continued to grow in my relationship with him. I've had ups and downs like all of us do, but there's been this hunger inside of me ever since I became a Christian to grow and to kind of like you shared, Keith, just, I just want to know him better. I want to love him better. I want to help others know that same, same relationship that God has so changed my and transform my life with and kind of the key scripture when I think about discipleship um, there's a lot but the one that um, the Lord brought to mind for our purposes is out of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae where he said in chapter 1 starting in verse 28 he said he meaning Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. God, there's so much depth in that passage, but the kind of key two words I want us to focus on are the two words fully mature. Um, some translations um, say the word "perfect" there, but it's the same picture of of maturity. Of God wants us to grow, to take our next spiritual step. There's a there's a blank there um, that we would say it this way: Our goal in discipleship at Journey is to build mature disciple makers, um, not just people who intake, but people who. Um, overflow the love of Jesus to others and, and like I said a minute ago but that kind of started for me when I was young um, when I was in 7th grade just a year or two after I became a Christian I was involved in the youth group at our little church in, in Garland, Texas and an older lady um, in our church um, her name was Norma Monday she was in her 60s and she was worked with students and uh, she asked my mom for permission to do this but she, um, she asked me one Sunday night at youth group if she could take me to Dairy Queen for ice cream, she had something she wanted to give me? And I was like, absolutely. I'm into, I'm into dip cones, sure. So um, so this I, 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 I everybody really probably thought she was my grandma. She wasn't my grandma. Um, but we sat in Dairy Queen, and she pulled um, this book out. And uh, she had asked me what my favorite book in the Bible was. I didn't really know what to say, so I said the book of Luke. This is just the first one that came to mind. And she gave me this book and she said, Mike, I know you're young. I know you're early in your journey with Jesus. But I think God is going to use you to change people's lives. I could, see, I could see you being in ministry someday. I could see you going far for Jesus. And I want to be the first person to give you your first commentary on the Bible. And that's what she gave me. She gave me this. I, it's a treasure in my life. But the, um, the picture I have there is, is she was discipling me. She saw something in me. That, that God obviously brought to fruition, and I've had the opportunity for many years to be able to do that for others. So that's really where my vision for discipleship
0: began, though. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And our, my hope is, is that each of you would consider how you might be able to pour in, and as we say, have these I see in you conversations with
2: the next generation. Pastor Christian Gracia. <laughs> uh, so I started following Jesus right before I turned 18 in the uh, spring of 2013, my senior year of high school. And so this verse that I chose is not necessarily the one that I immediately would say, like, that described the, the, my season of life necessarily, but it does describe what had to be true um, in that time for me to grow as a follower of Jesus and I think has maintained to be true in my life as well as for you and me. And so 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9 is the passage I chose. I know it's long, but we'll read it fast and I'll make one point out of it, okay? Um, but the first two verses, 3 and 4, say this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So before I go on, those two verses set the context for what he's about to say by just telling us this. You have everything you need to live the Christian life. You have been given everything you need to live a godly life. been given power and promises. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on to say this. Verse 5, for this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith, to add to your faith, goodness, into goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, to godliness, godliness, mutual affection, mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, meaning they're growing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. So much to unpack there, I wish I could talk all day to you about this passage. But what it tells us is this, that the responsibility of growth is primarily on you and me as a disciple. In your blank there, it says this, you are primarily responsible for your own personal discipleship. I think a lot of times today we think it's a church's job to disciple people, and it is. We're going to do the best we can, especially this church. We have a ton of opportunities, you're going to hear those. But the responsibility that God has put on you and me is to have, have that hunger and desire to add to your faith. It doesn't say the church adds to your faith, but it says because he's given you the ability, you need to be the one to add to your faith, not just knowledge, but even like how it says mutual affection, to have self-control, perseverance, goodness, like growing in the fruits of the spirit, growing in practices of grace, all these things. That's kind of what God has called us to do. And so in my, my journey in the fall of 2013 was a really tough time for me where I had just recently followed Jesus because my dad was the only other Christian in my family. And a couple years prior, he, he turned his uh, life around to follow him. And so it was a really lonely season in my life where all I really had was like him in the Bible. And I just spent days and nights reading. That's all I could do was just press into Jesus. And I look back on that season of life with a yearning because I'm telling you, I grew like a weed spiritually. Like I look back and it's like, I wish I'd go back to that time because it was just so focused. It was so pure. I mean, I remember it being bitter and difficult. I was sad. I was moody. I was alone. But, like, there's been, never been a time in my life where I've been so hungry and desiring of Jesus in that time. And I look back at that as being just a really big marker for me. And this passage telling me, like, that, that's been a marker for me in my journey. Even how I began having a mentor in my life who is a great man, became the best man in my wedding eventually. But when I asked him to mentor me, he hit me back with, I'm all for it, and I'll do it as long as you show up. Like, you have to be the one to want this, but I'm not going to keep, keep up doing it unless you keep doing it. So he put the responsibility on me. Even as a mentor, he said, it's going to be on you to to maintain this relationship. And I was like, well, that's new for me because I thought it's like you would pursue me as like the disciple. He said, no, 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 no. You got to be the one to want it. So I just feel like that verse is really encouraging and informative in my life as, as well as for us today. I think you set a good example, too. When my wife Heather and I
0: first became followers of Jesus, we didn't really have anybody for a while who was personally pouring into us. We just, we'd go to church, we'd hear, read your Bible, so we'd go home and we'd read our Bible. So it it was more like you said, we had to, it was a personal goal that I want to stay close to him and this is how you do it. Becca?
3: Yeah, I mean, great follow up story for, from you. I, I grew up in church. Praise God, I had Christian parents. Um, I came to the faith very early, but nobody really did the discipleship thing where they actually taught me anything. It was kind of like a, all right, you said yes. All right, we're good. And so I I remember like years and years up until high school where nobody really even took an interest and like taught me how to read scripture, taught me how to pray, taught me like this is a spiritual disciplines that will actually get you closer to Jesus until my youth pastor one day said, Becca, I know that you're going to be a leader one day, but you have a lot of potential and you're using none of it. And so it wasn't until he told me that, first of all, he saw something in me, kind of similar stories. But then he showed me how to read scripture and how to pray. And the fact that you do read scripture every day, not just whenever you feel like it. So then I could actually take advantage of my own faith and make my own decisions. One of the verses that really helped with that was Galatians two twenty. This was life changing for me, but it says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I really thought for a long time that I could be a Christian that still lives life the way that I want to live. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you die and that God raises you to life to be a new person, and he's in the driver's seat, and he tells you where you're going. Until I understood that, my discipleship was very selfish. After I understood that, I realized the life I'm living here, I'm just living in faith in the Son of God. And wherever he calls me to, I'm going to go, but my number one priority is him not me.
0: A great follow-up, if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creation in Christ. Yeah. Very similar thought. So as you build your uh, wisdom and knowledge of understanding how God, what God's doing in you,
3: think about that verse as well. I need to give the fill in the blank. The fill in yeah. the blank yeah. for the OCD people. That would be me in the audience. We embrace our spiritual potential when we embrace our new life with Jesus. We'll never get to where God wants us to go Until we embrace
4: the new life that he has for us.
0: Yes. Amen. Heidi.
4: Well, my discipleship journey really started a little over 10 years ago. When our family started coming to journey. So my spiritual growth and the steps that I was taking coincided with me also being a mom and raising kids. Um, So part of my next steps were to start serving and join small groups. But I started serving um, in kids ministry. So the voice or the verse that I pulled is from 3rd John Chapter one, verse four, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And that verse first jumped out at me when I was new to the kids staff. Several years ago, and I just knew when I read it that that was the heart of our kids' team. The heart of our leadership, our volunteers, is truly to make sure that your kids know the truth of who they are in Christ, that they know the God who made them and loves them, um, that the Holy Spirit will guide them as believers, that they are children of God. That is our heart and our intent every Sunday, that we're with your kids teaching them. But when I was taking my own steps on my spiritual journey, just starting to volunteer— I got to experience the joy of seeing my kids walk in the truth. Um, Just by being a volunteer at a VBS, I was sitting right next to my four-year-old when she raised her hand and knew that she wanted to be a follower of Jesus. Just by being part of the kids' team, I got to help baptize my son last November. This summer, at the last minute, I got to step in and lead a small group of senior girls at student camp. And by being there, I was able to be present for a very important moment. She's in here this time. I was able to be present for a really important moment in my oldest daughter's life when she responded to a call that God had put on her life. So just by serving in the ministry as I was growing, I got to be present for these important moments in my own kids' lives. And nothing can replace that. So to every parent in the room, every grandparent, aunt, uncle, any grown-up that's attached to anyone in the next generation here at our church, I just encourage you to find a way to serve in the ministry they're in. There are so many different ways to get plugged in, but for you to be present when they experience the Spirit of God in a unique way, you'll never regret that. I also have a fill-in-the-blank for you. <laughs> The second time's harder, guys. Um, Spiritual growth brings joy. There is no greater joy than for us to see our children and your children walking in God's truth. And as you grow personally in your spiritual walk, every step you take gets you closer to God. And Psalm 1611 tells us, you fill me with joy in your presence. When you are surrounded by the presence of God, you will feel that joy, and nothing compares to it.
0: Yeah, amen. And you've heard the stories of discipleship of the people on this stage, right? They they didn't just snap their fingers and all of a sudden they were ready to be used by God. They spent time getting close to him and praying and, and, and just letting God continue to work. And not that we've arrived. It isn't as if we've now met this plateau and we're now usable. I really believe as you stay close to him, he'll use you on a regular basis. You might be a follower of Jesus for literally a month And all of a sudden, God starts really working in your life and God's using you. So don't think, well, I've got to be a Christian for 82 years like Mike before. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, friend. You're not sorry. Old friend. Used to be friend. Old friend. (laughs) He wants to use you now, but stay close to him. And so our challenge and our hope is, is that everyone sitting here today is that you also have a discipleship verse. Like you have a passage of Scripture that really speaks to your heart or challenges you. And maybe and if you don't, it's okay. Steal one of ours. Like grab one of those or start reading your Bible. And I promise you, God will in, in no time. He'll begin to share with you a truth or a Scripture that he says grab onto that. That's going to be the backbone of you wanting to grow and stay close to me. So um, second question, back to you, um, Heidi. How does your area of ministry produce discipleship, and maybe do you have a story of, of how uh, your area has impacted the life of someone?
4: Yeah, I'd like to start by reading the scripture from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verses 6-9. through 9. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And I love how that piece of scripture addresses the one who planted and the one who watered, but it's God that makes things grow. We know in our ministry we get to plant seeds in the hearts of these kids, but it is God who will ultimately make them grow. But I appreciate the connection that there was someone planting and someone watering because we know in our ministry we're here to connect with parents and partner with parents. We see you as the spiritual leaders in your household. We're just here to support and encourage you as you lead your kids. And serving with kids, it's unique, because we pour into these kids for a year in a specific grade. Some leaders may move up, most don't. But these kids might not even remember us as they grow up. So we don't always get to see the fruit that comes from the seeds that we're planting. Sometimes we get a glimpse every time we get to see a kid get baptized and we get to hear their testimony and hear how God's moved in their lives and moved through our ministry. Then we get to see the fruit. But some fruit we will never see. Um, but just this past week, another glimpse of that fruit. One of our staff moms described me on my way out the door early this week and was telling me they had a really hard first week of school with one of their boys. And I'm sure all the parents in this room can relate to that. The first week of school always has challenges for one reason or another with our kids and our families. But this mom, her heart was so burdened all week for her son. And she was just praying for him and praying over him and just trying to speak God's truth into him of who God created him to be and what his identity is in Christ. And then Sunday, back to school Sunday, was a big Sunday for us. And we shared the gospel with the kids and gave them the opportunity to respond. And their son came home Sunday to let them know that he had decided to follow Jesus that day. So that moment for that mom was such a reassurance that God really is in control. We carry so much worry and such burdened hearts for our kids. And all we can do is pray and speak God's truth over them. But trust that those seeds we're planting, he is the one watering them. And he is the one who will make them grow.
0: And for some of you who are maybe discipling others or wondering, in fact, my wife and I had this conversation yesterday. We wonder if we have any impact in the people who come into our lives, maybe for a short time. And I literally said, we never know what little word of encouragement or even a, hey, let's grab coffee, what small word of encouragement might be the wind beneath their wings uh, for months and years to come. And they may not even remember your name, but they may remember what you said, and they may remember that, that important piece that you poured into them, and, and your team does that so, so well on a regular basis. Uh, Becca, you and the students.
3: Yeah. Uh, so... 1 Timothy 4.12 kind of gives some perspective of how we look at teenagers. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. If you stop right there, uh, we hold teenagers in a very, very high regard in this church. We are never going to look down on them thinking that they are less than. Uh, We are never going to tell them, you know, that just because of your age, you can't do X, Y, Z. And then it says, uh, be an example to all believers in what you say. And the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So here's the two non negotiables that we have in student ministry that we go after every single program. We know that we need to share the gospel every single time that we meet with students because it's only going to be Jesus that changes a teenager's life. But we also need to build relationships with these students because teenagers do not. Know how to be an example to all believers in what they say, the way they live, and their love, their faith, and their purity until someone teaches them to do that. Here's the reality, and this is your fill in the blank teenagers can and do change the world. This is proven. You watch Hollywood, teenagers probably had something to do that. Teenagers will either make your household a very sweet household or the most toxic environment in the entire world. Anybody have a teenager living in their household right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the struggle, right? We know that teenagers are going to change the world. The question is, how are they going to change the world? They're at such an influential age to where if we don't present the gospel to them in that age group, they may be swept away by what culture wants them to be identity-wise. If we don't give them a place to belong and a safe place to explore their faith, they may do that in other avenues um, throughout their world. A really good example of this, of how teenagers can and do change the world and and how when you lean in and share the gospel and build relationships, we have a high school boy. um, He's been coming for a while and uh, and I just kind of started hearing about him. I heard he was kind of struggling a little bit. And so I heard that he was smoking weed every single day. Pretty common issue in student ministry. So there was a kind of a side conversation with our team. And we're like, all right, are we going to let him get away with this? Or are we, are we actually going to say something? Because all of us believed in, in him. We saw something greater than what he, he even saw in himself And so quite a few of us actually pulled him aside in different conversations that the Lord just kind of opened the door up for us. And we got to speak life into him and just say, hey, buddy, you're better than this. We see more for you than this. You are not this person. We believe that God is actually calling you and moving you in this direction, but you need help. And so our interns over the next, you know, little bit, and he had a great camp and he's even doing great right now. They just poured into him took him through scripture, showed him what spiritual dis- dis- disciplines needed to be in his life. And one of my favorite things on Wednesday nights is he'll come up to me um, and he'll say, hey, Becca, seven weeks sober, eight weeks sober, nine weeks sober, haven't smoked weed. And it's the best conversation. And I believe that student ministry is a place where when you share the gospel, teenagers can experience freedom. But when you build relationships, you can teach them how to be an example in the world.
2: Keep up the good work. It's been great. Christian Grassi. Yeah, well just, just before, I mean, if you have if you're in this church and you have any a child of any age up till teenagers, can we just say that they're in good hands? Can you just get an amen for that between Heidi and Becca? I mean Yeah. Get me fired up. I'm like, man. When you asked if you had a teenager in your house, I said I have a five year old who acts like she's fifteen, so I thought maybe that would apply. <laughs> um, yeah, she it's runs that so house. Help us Lord. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to share something that obviously as a church planner my ministry hasn't necessarily started. So I'm gonna do somewhat of like a vision cast of this is what my hope happens through my church, but also what I've seen happen in journey um and what our mission statement even describes. And so first Peter two twelve um says this live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I want to hone in real quick on the phrase, live such good lives, because that, the word good there literally means expressing beauty as harmonious completeness, which is a fancy way of just saying this. It's a compelling life. The Christian life is a compelling life to live. And Peter says this, this is the point in your insert, that our way of life should compel others to follow Jesus. As he describes the way to and no nothing else is going to do that for you, not if you live any other way it 's not going to describe this good life he 's talking about he 's assuming you 're following Jesus and like heidi 's talking about this reality of walking with Jesus and having this joy that only comes from him I have a, I think because I come from this nominal Christian family in my background, when I started walking with Jesus and experiencing what he brought and what he did in my life in and through me. I was like, man, I want everyone to have this. This isn't what I've experienced or what I've seen in my even my parents growing up. And I'm looking at the world of of cultural Christianity thinking, we're missing out on what Jesus has for us. And this verse is saying if we would live the life that Jesus has called us to live, people who are hostile towards him actually will come to believe in him by just seeing the way we live our life. And the way that we would say here at Journey, the process of that happening is seeing people become passionate Christians because passionate Christians change the world, not just by what they do, by the quality of their life. It's that powerful. And Peter didn't just get this from himself. He learned it from Jesus. Write down your notes, Matthew 5, 16. This is like a parallel passage. Jesus says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus said the same thing. If you live your life in a way that expresses light, people will eventually turn to glorify him, which only happens by coming to know him, by the way that we just simply live our life. And I've seen this happen even in my unbelieving family a little bit. My brother Adam, 15 years older than me, he's my half-brother, and he he was not ever really into the whole Jesus thing, became pretty hostile towards it. But as we've grown up and as I've had my own family and we've done life together, he's been able to witness something that I don't think he's been able to see before, just Jesus in me. And so he's been going from a place of being hardened towards the gospel to soften towards the gospel. Even saying like, he's like, I'm not ready yet, but man, I want my life to look like yours. If I ever take that step, when he's going through difficult things, he'll call me because he just knows that there's something different. He, he describes it literally as a light in my life. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just Jesus, man. Like I'm messed up, but Jesus is pretty amazing. And just by him observing how I've led my life, following Jesus as best as I can by grace it's been a testimony to him and it's brought him a little bit closer. And hopefully one day he'll be doing that for someone else. It's interesting. One of
0: the first, probably the first five verses I ever memorized was Matthew 5 16. It just stuck with me. Pastor Mike, adult discipleship. Yeah. yeah, so a couple weeks ago,
1: uh, my wife Wendy and I celebrated our 29th uh, wedding anniversary. God bless her. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's all for her. Trust me. Um, but uh, when we got married, an older lady in our church, um, something uh, older ladies liked me, I guess. I don't know, it's weird. That's strike, so weird. Strike that. Strike that. Um, <laughs> but the older lady, Marty Garrett, um, cross-stitched the passage of Scripture I'm going to read for you here in just a moment and gave it to us as a gift, um, as a um, cross-stitch that we still have in our home. It's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us first throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then number two, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then number three, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, discipleship is about helping people throw off the sin, lay aside the hindrances, and helping people get their eyes fixed where they need to be, and that's right on Jesus. Um, The blank that we have for you in this area is, is simply this. Spiritual impact happens when we engage in discipleship. You know, we see that happen in our church all over the place. Our church is built around, um, four, if you've been around at Part of Journey for any length of time, you know this, that our church is built around four what we call discipleship tracks. And the vision is that over the next four years that you would pick a track each year to engage in to help you grow. The Jesus track is designed to help you to know and to love and to walk with Jesus, to get to know Him better in that way. The scripture track is, uh designed to equip you to see the world through the lens of the Bible through with a biblical worldview. The life track is uh designed to help you see life and kind of in your season of life through through the lens of biblical truth as well, to walk with Jesus in those. And then the leadership track is really designed through our followers and, and leaders made uh groups to uh to help you to become a disciple who makes disciples, not just someone who takes in, but someone who uh, the ministry flows through. And uh, a personal impact story, Um, a friend of mine um, came to know Christ here at Journey um, just a little over a year ago on July the 4th, 2021. He calls it his Spiritual Independence Day. His name's Eric, and he's sitting right over here. I love that. Um, But Eric got really excited about Jesus um, after he gave his heart to Jesus, and he got involved in a men's group through our Jesus track and our Growing in Grace and Gospel the John study um, that fall, and then um, couldn't, uh, couldn't wait another year to get involved in the next thing. So he also double-dipped and did Scripture Track. That's kind of cheating, Eric, but it's okay, all right? Um, so he did both Jesus and Scripture Track last year, and then this year he's going to be involved in um, the Life Track um, with emotionally, uh, our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Study on Tuesday nights, co-leading that with a friend of his. And I just think, you know, his life is such a testimony— to the, the point we just made, that impact happens when we engage. You know, we can set the table, but you're the ones who got to eat, right? And that's really the vision and, and what we're designed and here to do.
0: And we hope, and we, in a moment we'll give you some action steps on things that you can do to really get involved in these. Yep. But, uh, Pastor Mike, as we just close, if you had 30, 60 seconds, what charge would you give for everyone about how to get involved in discipleship?
1: Well, it's really simple. You, when you walk out the doors here, um, there are um, all kinds of different uh, booths uh, to get involved in. All four of our tracks are represented. Our care groups are also represented in Celebrate Recovery and many others as well. Um, take your phone and click one of the QR codes at one of the tables, and then it'll send you right to a form that'll sign you up. If you're watching online, you can go to journeygroups.cc, and uh, that's an easy way to get uh, signed up for our groups. They start next Sunday. Can you believe it? One more
0: week, and uh, they all get rolling. So excited about that. Well, thank you. I know you've prepped and put a lot of hard work into it. It's going to be a great semester of discipleship. Uh, Gracias. Yeah,
2: I'll go back to the, the first point I made. If, if you're someone right now that you feel stuck or not growing, or if you find yourself expecting your discipleship progress to be someone else's priority, stop that and make it your priority and yeah. jump in in some shape or form. For me, two um, life-changing things that I did in that season – one came first. One I got a big black study Bible, ESV study Bible, and I just read. I tried to read the whole thing within a year. I didn't hit the year mark, but I read the whole thing. I tried to do what it told me to do. Guess what? I haven't stopped doing that. It's worked out pretty well. So if you could do that, I would encourage you to do it. Another thing was having spiritual community keep me in it and keep me running, non-negotiables in my life. So like Mike said, not just to beat a dead horse, but you've got to have people around you if you're going to run well with Jesus. Great thoughts. Becca?
3: Yeah, my challenge for you guys is uh, to be on team next generation. Uh, Whether it's kids, whether it's students, whether it's young adults, the next generation needs you guys to step up um, on their behalf. If you have a teenager or a kid in your household, I want to challenge you that you are the spiritual leader over them. We are here to encourage you and help you, but you guys are the spiritual leaders. And I just want to tell you, you can do it. If God gave you that child, then you can do it. He will help you do it as crazy as some of the days may be. My next challenge is if you don't have the next generation in your home, I am asking you to come and plug in to to serve the next generation. Love them. Believe the best about them. Speak life into them when you get the chance and make sure that you carry an attitude that the next generation does not have a junior Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit and they can and they will change the world.
0: That's a team you want to be on. There's some passion there. Thank you, Becca, for your passion. In fact, my wife and I, uh, early on in our Christian walk, we got involved in student ministry, and we served for about six, uh, six years on Sunday and Wednesday involved, and we loved it. We grew so much, and we had such an incredible time growing, but also pouring in our life experiences, things like, hey, here's a whole lot of things you don't want to do because we failed, uh, but here's also the path that you can take to live for him. And I got to act like a 17-year-old every week. So we had a great time. (laughs) Heidi, how would you close us out?
4: Yeah, spiritual growth is one of our core beliefs here at Journey because we know and believe that every person has a next step. So while we were sitting up here talking today, I know God was talking to each one of you. And he made it clear to some of you today what your next step is. You might have heard Mike talking about the different groups we offer us talking about the areas that we serve in and God made it really clear what your next step is. Joining a group, leading a group, serving with kids, serving with students, you know what it is. And then immediately you started to doubt it and you started to think, well, I don't have time for that. How could I do that? I'm not good enough for that. Will they like me? Will they be nice? I can't do that. So my challenge for you today is to ignore the doubts and ignore the fear Listen to what God told you to do today. If God is calling you to it, he has something for you in it. So take the next step he's calling you to.
0: So what's God saying to you today? Um, No doubt he's been speaking to your heart. He's been whispering into your ear. And we want to encourage you. Our hope and desire is that every single one of you, because there's not caveats. When Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's, that's you. And then now he wants you to go and make disciples of other people. So he, he wants to use you. Uh, he's created you in a special way with spiritual gifts as a follower of Jesus. And he wants you to, to not only draw close on, on your own, like Pastor Christian said, but he also wants you to plug into the spiritual community, uh, like we have now laid out so many ways from, from literally little kids to students to adults. And so as you walk out, you're going to see a, uh, an opportunity to get involved. Our groups fair is all over the place. We've got signage. Uh, by the time you walk 10 feet, you'll see a QR code uh, that you literally can scan, and it'll take you right to the groups page where you can find a group that fits you, whether it be a men's group, a women's group, a couple's group, maybe a little more one-on-one discipleship. Uh, there's a lot of great opportunities, and we would love to walk with you. There's paper signups as well. If, That's right. If you're if anti-technology, we see you. Yeah, yes. yeah. If QR code doesn't work for you, we, we don't let that be a hindrance. We will gladly help you get involved in a group. And really, a a wonderful onboarding opportunity is our growth track. It is really some beginning steps to getting involved in serving and discipleship here at our church. We actually have in step four what we call a spiritual health assessment. And it's it's literally a self-assessment that you just can kind of take to, to find out what track would be good for you. Where are you at in your journey that you could jump right into discipleship here at our church? So our hope is for every single one of you to get involved. And so we look forward to to celebrating with you as we see God continuing to grow because spiritual growth brings joy. It really does. It brings joy. It brings transformation. And we're excited to see it happen in our church. Would you do this? Let's do this. Let's stand. I'm going to close this in prayer as we stand. And we're going to worship in a moment. But let me just close this in prayer. Father, I want to pray right now for every single person who's here. Father, there may be someone here today who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And today they understand that it's more about a personal relationship. It's not about information. It's not about knowledge. It's about a personal walk with Jesus. So perhaps if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, you can pray something just like this. Dear God, thank you for your Son. Thank you that He died on the cross for me. I'm a sinner, and I need you. Forgive me and come into my life. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. And if you're here today and maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you're a little bit stuck in your discipleship, you've not really, uh, as Pastor Christian Gracia said, you've not really spent time working on it, you've not spent time in the Bible or or, or trying to stay close to Jesus, Start, start over today. Let today be the beginning of a new day of discipleship for you to say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to to spend time in my Bible. I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to spend time praying today, asking God to help me just to be the follower of Jesus, the disciple that He wants me to be. And you can personalize that to God. Now, if you're also here and you're a more seasoned follower of Jesus, you've been a believer for maybe five, ten years plus, I I would pray, I would ask you to pray that God would use you as a disciple maker. That you would continue to be used. You might say, God, how would you use my life in the weeks and months to come to pour into someone, to help them to learn how to read their Bible, to help them know that God is a forgiver of sin and that God wants us to to stay close to Him and be used by Him. So would you just, again, put a personal note on that prayer? But Father, I thank you for every person here. I pray that in the weeks and months to come, we would see discipleship, we would see spiritual growth, we would see community happen in a powerful way in the life of every single person in this room. Lord, that you know them, that you love them, and that you desire to speak to their hearts and walk with them closely every day. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for meeting with us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name.